Welcome to the Sexy Selfish Podcast Series. I'm your host, Shona Gates. I'm a women's life coach, success strategist, and a self-proclaimed badass. And I'm here to help you rediscover your authentic self, stop delaying your happiness, and step into your truth. This podcast has been created to connect, inspire, and nurture mums who want more. Are you ready? gone live like this in obviously a really long time um because yeah I'm like wait a minute am I how is it happening what is going on because normally when I do and I do lives all the time in this like this kind of sense within my membership and it's within my coaching client portals and stuff so it's kind of that thing of like women who have already chosen me, women who know me, women who have looked at my body of work and gone, yes, I want what this woman's about. So they're kind of, I'm kind of used to showing up in those spaces like no makeup on, late at night while my kids are feral in the background. Um, you know, I'm often on my phone while I'm making coffee and doing a million things. And so when I was like, okay, I'm gonna do this really public masterclass, it kind of feels a little bit different. And I know I shouldn't because I do lives every single week. I teach, I train courses, programs, guest speaking, all the thing. But I know that some of the people watching this will have maybe never heard my voice before. Maybe they've never seen my work before. Maybe they don't know or they've never like come into Shona's world um, and the sexy selfish world. And it kind of, yeah, it feels a little bit vulnerable. I'm not going to lie. So I was like, breathe through it. We're here. I'm excited about what we're going to do today together. I um, am excited to be doing this without slides and without notes, like proper notes, scripted notes. This is just like, I've literally got four dot points, four main things that are going to literally change your life that we're going to talk about. And that's what we're doing. So I can't, the way I've got it set up is that I can't see how many people are on. That is the best thing for me because after doing this type of work for the last seven years, I know that I start to panic and freak out when people start jumping off, even though I know as a mum, you're a busy bitch, right? You got shit on, you got things to do, the delivery guy pops up, the kids need the nappy change, all the things. So I know that, but I can't see how many people are on and I love it that way. That is the best way for me, but I can see comments. So I would love to know if you're jumping on is this the first time you're entering the sexy selfish world? Is this your first money mindset experience? Um, and where are you calling in from? Because that would be the most amazing thing because I know some of the masterclasses that I host and some of the podcasts and guest speaking gigs are really local like this within South Australia, they're within Adelaide. And then sometimes I'm jumping on really late at night to speak to the UK. So I just, I would love to know where everyone is from today because it's a Facebook group. I don't get to collect that information and, and see where you're all from. Um, so hi. I've got my little um, nervous rant out the way, like the hyperactive cocaine squirrel that I am. And now I can be proper 
and introduce myself. Hi everyone, I'm coming to you from my bedroom today because it's a Monday and it's the first day back of school and we've just had two weeks here school holidays here in South Australia and I was like, I'm doing it on a Monday because I know, I know all the mums like me who've been on school holidays, whether you love it or whether you hate it, you were like slightly relieved the kids were going back to school today and you were ready to do something for you. Like it's been two weeks of giving and outpouring and being touched and making snacks and organizing activities. And it's great and some days it sucks, but today is for you. And then I remembered I have a three-year-old and I'm like, fuck, <laughs> I can't do this with him in the background. Luckily my husband, I'm like, you need to take him to a park. You need to go do something with that child so I can work today. Cause normally I would be in um, the office, but I'm like, I wanna do this from home. This is a real, big energetic experience for me coaching in this capacity um and i do that best in my home space so i'm literally in my bedroom today i'm not in my other office i'm not in my out of home office today i'm like i want to be totally in my comfort zone i want to get straight out from this call and go and jump in um a bubble bath i, I bought a specific bath bomb for it. it's going to be epic anyway that's why you'll see me in the bedroom not in my lovely professional settings but you get the full me you get me with makeup and I'm wearing pants today, but you're still getting them for me. Hi, Brianna. Yes, I, you did one of the first money mindset courses um, I ever hosted. I think you're in like the third or fourth round of it. Um, amazing, amazing, amazing. Hi, how are you? So today I'm going to share a little bit about myself. Obviously, there's lots of people joining who are new to this space, new to my world, I guess. Um, who wouldn't know kind of my story and how fucked up I was. So we're going to talk about that. And then I kind of want to touch on, I could touch on 13 points. I'm going to touch on four because this bitch can go on a ram, like a tangent and ramble, but it's all gold. So I'm going to focus on achieving four points for you. Basically what I did is I went and contacted the women who have been working with me the longest. There were women who I know have had massive percent profound shifts and like everyone has had massive profound shifts but these are the women who've been with me the longest absorbed the everything that i've done you know they've got the books they've got the podcast and i basically went to the and i said what is the most impactful thing i have taught you what is the most important thing you have learned from me what was the one thing that totally blew your mind and like turned your life in a completely different direction and then i collated all that and that's what i'm going to share with you guys today because the thing is, this is my every day. This is what I do every single day. Anyone who's met me know I will talk about money mindset. I will talk about business mindset. I will talk about psychology all day long. I've literally written two books about it because I'm just like, this is too much information for just Instagram and DMs and stuff. So I would talk about it all day long. So I wanted to get the most profound, the most impactful content um, to share with you guys today. And I wanted to have heaps of space to answer questions and to dive into things you guys might want some guidance around and solutions around and you know what you're going through i am a generator in your human design profile if you ever heard about that so my genius zone is answering questions put me on a live and no one's on there and i'm just like okay i'll teach you some awesome shit but the energy isn't the same whereas if someone asks me a question we go to a whole nother level i black out and don't remember what i fucking said but they're like, that's it. That's all I needed to hear. Right. So we're going to have fun today. Uh, so Brianna's calling in from New South Wales. Maddie's here from Western Australia. Hi, Maddie. How are you? It'd probably be pretty early for you, wouldn't it? From the time zone difference. 
um here in australia you've got like melbourne sydney queensland it's kind of similar times adelaide it's always likes to be difficult with daylight savings and then western australia is like like four hours later or something i don't know it blows my mind but then i'm used to working with time zones because i've got clients from the uk and clients from the us and clients in poland so you're just kind of used to managing lots of different things it's 7 38 a.m well good on you oh my god i could not think of anything worse than getting on a webinar at 7 30 in the morning actually no i've done that i've done it heaps of times right now at this stage of my life i'm like no babe sleep anyway <laughs> when you got kids you're up that early anyway all right so let's talk a little bit um about mindset work and how how i got here because i when i tell you i was the brokest bitch the most toxic person when it came to money like you know how there's that the friendship group and there's always that one bitch that's like super fucked up and super broke and super impulsive and super like oh we can't afford it we can't do that and we can't you know that that chick that was me that was me i'm now not that person <laughs> i'm now the person holding space for the other versions of that and my group but anyway so my journey to becoming a money mindset coach was really it was really natural like i look back now and at the time it felt like i was taking this complete left field turn because i had a coaching business i had a nutrition business i had a tanning business and then i had this massive shift and i was like i'm gonna teach money mindset to women all over the world and that's the rest of my life and i think from the outside everyone was looking going like what the fuck but looking back, you know, when you look back over your life and you can see the connecting dots and you know it was always going to be this. It was always headed to this point, right? So when I say it evolved naturally, it's not like it was this easy thing. But looking back, it's like, of course, this is where it was going. So I have grown multiple businesses and eventually I transitioned into business coaching. Oh, there is a blow fine here somewhere. His wife and his three-year-old who doesn't know how to shut doors. You can hear a blowfly. He will be making his way out. I'm manifesting that. The doors are open. The windows open. He will find his way out. If you can hear that in the background, the buzzing, it's not a vibrator. It's a blowfly. I know. It's me. You would assume vibrator, right? Um, hi, Crystal from Happy Valley in South Australia. How are you? So I've always been really entrepreneurial. I, and this is to say, I'm telling you this, not because I'm like super different from anyone else, but like you can be entrepreneurial. You can be really ambitious. You can be really intelligent and still super fucked up <laughs> and still have a really toxic relationship with money. And you can be smart and you can be clever and you can be organized and you can be all the things and still be broke as fuck and still coming back to the same pattern of like, why can't I get it together? Right? So I've always been really entrepreneurial. I was the kid that would like sell lollies. Um, I would ask my mum to buy them from Woolies. I'm like, I'll pay you back with pocket money. And then I would take them to school and sell them at the canteen at the front. Um, I did a couple of times because obviously the canteen didn't like that. <laughs> you can't undercut us. We're fundraising for the school. And I'm like, I'm fundraising for new basketball shoes. So whatever. Right. I would make my family actually pay to see my lounge room shows when I would lip sync to the Spice Girls and my friends and I would like make cardboard cutout guitars. And this was in the Josie and the Pussycats doll, like the Pussycats, Josie and the, like the movies came out about Josie and the Pussycats. And so everyone wanted to be in a band. It's the whole thing. We made cardboard cutout guitars and I charged my parents a dollar ticket to my show where we yeah, lip synced the Josie and the Pussycat um, songs from the movie, which I'm looking back like, oh my God, China. But yeah, I was insistent. I'm like, you're not getting a free ticket. You need to pay. 
At a family function, my sister and I would take this little silver makeup case. It was a 90s. If anyone's like the same age as me, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, and it would have all like nail um, polishes and the body shop little sample, <laughs> you know, the vanilla white mask, that, that specific body shop um, moisturizer. And we would go to our family functions and when all the other kids would be playing in the pool and like having a great time with their Christmas presents, I was under the table filing my auntie's toenails and giving them foot massages and painting their nails for like two, three dollars each. They had it so good. They had it so good. Like I was look, like trying to research and asking my mum's friends who were manicurists and, and like beauty therapists the right way to do it. Like I was determined to do it a good job. And I look back and I'm like, if I go and get a pedicure today, which is my plan this afternoon, I'm looking like 60 bucks. And I was under the table doing a fucking good job and foot like massaging them for 30 minutes for like $2. But anyway, this is the point. Like I was a hustler from day one. I have always enjoyed finding different ways to make money, going, okay, I enjoy doing this. I like doing this. People are willing to pay for this. This is how I'm going to work. Um, I made up flyers for my little business and everything. And I mean, like I was eight, nine, maybe 10. So my first real business I started in 2018, I started a spray tanning business from home because it was really flexible around my kids. Um, kept that going up until 2020 when we moved house and um, just realized that while I love my clients, I was ready for something new. So bronze addiction, um, we closed 2020 mid-pandemic, super fun, <laughs> Sexy Selfish, I began in 2018, and Time Creative is my design company that's been running since 2021. I promised my husband that my designing would just be a side hobby, it would just be fun, I'm just going to draw for myself, I'm just going to help a couple of friends with their ebooks for their courses, I'm just going to do a couple of branding things for other women I knew and suddenly I had like a fully fledged company and I had to rush off and get registered for GST and and all that stuff. So it kind of grew really quickly. It's fun. I love it. I love having all these different creative zones for myself. Um, so yeah, <laughs> that's kind of what's happened. But along the journey of raising three kids and managing multiple businesses was your mindset shit pops up because that's what happens when you run a business. You have to deep dive into your own relationship with yourself and what success means and what abundance looks like and imposter syndrome and all that type of stuff. So as I was diving into that, I kind of realized that there was this missing conversation in all these spaces, in confidence, self-love, in business coaching, in women investing in their health, the block that was there before women could invest in their health, invest in themselves, invest in confidence or therapy or doing things for themselves or even just buying a new fucking bra because you know we all wore those maternity bras for way too long way too long my husband actually went off of me the other day because i put a pair of knickers on to go to sleep and he's like what the fuck are they and i'm like i honestly don't know i need to do laundry i think they're from when i was pregnant with hudson and aaron's like dude he's three put him in the bed <laughs> i was like yes i will tomorrow when i do washing right so we've all kept our pregnancy maternity stuff for way too long but the, the point is before we can feel good about purchasing and investing in ourselves, our business how we feel our health there was this money mindset block and i kind of looked at myself and my journey that i'd gone through which i'll share about a little bit and realized that sexy selfish and all the business coaching that i was doing there was this integral part that was missing for myself and for most of my clients. So obviously I started to learn about money mindset. I started to share about it with my clients that I was coaching. 
I was having rapid shifts. They were having rapid shifts. And I was like, okay, this is what I want to do. This is important work. This was five years ago. So this was really kind of before money mindset was a, a topic that people really spoke about or understood. When I first started sharing about it, people were like, she's on crack, right? This was before it was well known and accepted. And, but it had such massive shifts that I was like, this is what I'm going to speak about. This is what I'm going to speak about. And I copped a lot of flack and it was really hard along the way, but I'm here today to help everyone that I possibly can. Right? So naturally the more I worked on in myself, the more I worked on with my clients, the more I focused on helping my business coaching clients have a better relationship with the money that they were trying to manifest and earn, the faster they were able to experience the success that they desired. And basically it just became very apparent that this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. This is what I'm going to do. So my first experience with money mindset was, and this is this, I'm going to share something. You guys have probably heard a bit of this story before, but you haven't heard the whole story. I went to buy toilet paper for my kids and like for my family, obviously we were out of toilet paper and I think it was milk, but I was like, okay, I desperately need the toilet paper. I've got some long life milk, went to the shops, big line of people, try to buy toilet paper, cards getting declined. This is like $4 worth of toilet paper cards getting declined. Um, no other accounts, credit cards maxed out. I'm leaking breast milk through my top and my autistic five-year-old crying and punching me in the back at the checkout because he, you know, that's obviously sensory overwhelm. I try to avoid going to shops with my kids because they do have autism. Um, but this, you know, you're out of toilet paper. What the fuck are you going to do? You have to go to the shops. Husband's at work. You get the kids in the car, you fucking go. I'm leaking. He's hitting me. My two-year-old's crying and the card's getting declined. And I'm kind of just hoping and like tapping it again. And then I'm like, oh, it must be an issue with the card. No worries. And I kind of, there's this whole line of people behind me and they know I'm broke as fuck. And I know I'm broke as fuck. <laughs> And so I bundle up my kids. I mean, you know that feeling when you're like hot all over? I don't know if you guys get this with anxiety, but I do where I feel like hot all over. And I was like hot, sweating, leaking breast milk, kids crying, being punched, card decline, can't buy toilet paper. I bundle everyone up, leave the toilet paper, grab my card that obviously has nothing in it. And I hightail it back to my car. Keep in mind, I hightail it back to my dream car, my Jeep Wrangler. So I had businesses. This is not like I'm some woman on maternity leave who was not doing anything and kind of stuck and husband was out of work. Like this was the fact, like I was running businesses. I was driving my dream, dream car. If you'd see me on Instagram, my, my life would have looked amazing. I, you know, had lots of travel and experience, but I couldn't afford to buy toilet paper. I got in the car, put the kids in. I didn't click them in. We just kind of sat in the car for a few minutes, passed my phone over there watching there was Netflix back then. And I think Disney was there. They're watching Netflix on my phone, YouTube, whatever it was just to get, no, ABC kids, that ABC kids app. That's what it was. I'm watching something wiggles. I don't know. And I'm just crying in the car. I'm crying from my eyes. I'm leaking from my boobs and life just sucks. Life just sucks. And I have that moment of going, it shouldn't be this hard. I shouldn't keep coming back to this place. Cause this is the thing, no matter how successful I was getting, no matter how much money I was making in my business, cause I was making great money somehow, like a $17,000 month. And then Centrelink's like, you owe us 14 grand. You know, I kept just, no matter how much I was making, no matter what I was doing, no matter what budget system I was having in place, cause I can budget like a badass. 
I had 20 years of anorexia. If you tell me I can only spend a certain amount, whether it's calories or dollars, I fucking do it, right? That's not a challenge for me. I can budget insanely well, almost too well. But this is the point, and I'm like, wait a minute, I'm crying in the car. I can budget. I'm a smart woman. I am doing everything right. I'm running my businesses. I'm growing as quick as I can. I'm supporting, I'm a great wife, I'm a great mom. I just had this moment, but it's like, why do I keep coming back to this point? And why am I stuck in still never having enough, in never feeling enough, in never able to get my money shit together? Why do I feel like everyone else has got this handled and I don't? Why do I feel like I can never actually move forward? Like I'm constantly stuck at this level of paycheck to paycheck, no matter how much my money I make, no matter how many clients I get, no matter how much money I have in savings, it always goes, it always disappears. I fucking hate money. I cannot do this anymore. And when I say I've tried every budget system available, I mean, I've had with my budget. If you're here in Australia tuning in, you know my budget. When I was at the peak of my network marketing days and I was making seven, $8,000 a month, I still had to go to my budget to have them basically give them everything. My bank accounts, my income, my money, everything and then they give me $240 a week to buy groceries and petrol because I still just couldn't and I'm not saying this because I'm the type of woman who smokes drinks a massive amount we don't gamble we're not doing hard drugs like it's not like our money's going to all that type of stuff like every cent was accounted for but somehow we were still always playing catch up never getting ahead and when I say like I sacrificed I mean like I walked everywhere with my kids in the pram um, to the points of like blisters on my feet and 30,000 steps a day because I didn't want to put petrol in the car. When like I grew my own vegetables to try and save money, I've done everything. This is the thing I got to the point where I was like, I'm doing everything right. And I'm still fucking broke and scared. And I hate money and I hate bills and I hate my accounts. I'm crying from my eyes, I'm leaking from my boobs. And the part of the story I haven't shared as well is that during this whole experience, I was also at the same point really kicked out of my friend group for ironically being so focused on making money and so focused on growing my business. So I kind of like made a lot of money, lost a lot of money through having to pay back debts and um, Centrelink debt and stuff when you grow really fast in a business. And then we had our bathroom. We found black mold through our entire bathroom. $8,000 to re-renovate our bathroom. Insurance wouldn't cover it. So even though I was making lots of money, we were outpouring money. And all that created was this fear and scarcity. So obviously I went in. I do what all ADHD hyper-focused bitches do. And I worked fucking harder. And I worked harder. And I did more. And my friends basically started, they kicked me out of the group chat. They started doing their own thing. They basically just said, stop being so ambitious. Stop working so hard. Um, get the fuck, you know, you're not a part of our group anymore. Keep in mind the group that I started, the group chat that I started, the girls that I introduced to each other. So I was going through all that as well. And I was kind of crying in the car boobs leaking, car declined, no money, 35 kilometers of petrol in my car, enough to get home, but not enough to like do school run for a few more days. And it was really intense, but I'm also like, 
I am never doing this again. I am never having my card declined again. Whatever I've been trying to break this cycle with, with budgets, with books about, you know, the barefoot investor, whatever cycle I have been trying to break, it's not breaking. I'm still coming back to the same point. So maybe crying, I'm thinking, maybe the answer isn't in the budget. Maybe the answer isn't in, you know, automatic transfers on your bank account. Maybe the answer isn't in spending $900 on Facebook ads to get a $1,000 client. Maybe it's deeper than that. Because I'm like, what was the difference? I was looking online at coaches that I followed in the industry that I was in, and I'm going, my website's better than theirs. My content's better than theirs. My branding's like, their website's shit. Half of the pages didn't fucking load. And I'm going, how are you having $400,000 months and I can't afford toilet paper? And that's when I'm like, it is not the budget. It is not the face. It can't be the Facebook strategy. It can't be any of that. It has to be the fact that my relationship with money is super fucked up. It has to be something else. And this is when I'm like, it has to be my energy. It has to be what I put out into the world, right? And so I cried and I drove home and I put the TV on for the kids and I went and cried more in my bedroom, um, which if you know me, you would know I am not a crier. It doesn't happen. It's very hard for me to cry, but I just let it all come out. And then I was like, okay, if I'm never repeating this cycle again, there has to be more to this. It has to be with my energy. So in that thought, I completely released the pressure off myself to get my budget perfect, to pay off all my debt straight away. Cause I was, we, we were in a decent amount of credit card debt because we've got three kids. Um, and this was, you know, just as NDIS was happening, but you have to pay $1,400 an assessment for your kids. We had speech therapy that had just kind of piled up on the credit card. Um, with obviously aims of paying it off. And every time I would pay it off a little bit with the savings that we'd have, suddenly it would be back on there again because yeah, someone else needed dentist appointments and someone else needed this. And um, it just it just kind of kept happening. And this is the thing the cycle wasn't breaking, but I had so much tied to the fact that I had credit card debt. It's like, oh my God, Shona, you are a piece of shit human because you have credit card debt. You are a piece of shit human because your card just got declined. You are a piece of shit human because you just had a $17,000 a month in business and you have nothing to show for it. You are a piece of shit human because you can't get it together. You're a piece of shit human because you're still wearing your maternity. I had all these stories about why I wasn't doing well, why I wasn't doing better. And all that created was more fear and more anxiety and more stories to the place where I couldn't afford toilet paper, maxed out, two maxed out credit cards, a car loan, a home loan, a husband who hated his job, um, two businesses that I was running at that time that were doing well, but obviously not doing great because looking back, because my energy was so fucked, my energy was so fucked. So I went and spent months not focusing on my budget, not focusing on my credit card debt, paying off the very minimum. And I focused instead completely on my energy, my mindset. What is the difference between me 
and the place that I'm in and the women that I was following online with these super successful businesses, the men that I saw around me that just like decided to start a plumbing business and had a successful plumbing business. And I'm like, bitch, what the fuck, right? Ironically, my husband just decided to start a mechanic business two months ago and now he's like till Christmas. Yeah, anyway, <laughs> men have mindset blocks. I'm not discounting that, but sometimes I have to put on my like metaphorical penis and just think like a man because it's a lot easier, right? So I dive into money mindset work. I listened to every podcast I could get my hand on. I was reading constantly, had a book in my hand about money. I was reading energetics and quantum physics and mindset work and psychology and got to this place where it just totally shifted for me. It was almost overnight. It was overnight, actually. I'd been accumulating all this and, and getting really excited about it and implementing things. And I was already gratitude journaling. So I already run a business. So I knew about personal development. I was already reading books. Uh, business books. I was already grat gratitude journey. I was already trying to meditate. I now know as the most ADHD bitch you have ever met, meditation is just not the vibe for me. I cannot make my brain quiet. I cannot sit still um, ever, as you will see on this live. I read every podcast. I went to the library when I couldn't afford to do courses and programs with people. I devoured their free webinars. Hello, everyone. Um, and I just got as much as I could into me. And then I started implementing those things. I started figuring out how it worked for me because also back then it was a lot of content was written by men. You know, everyone says read, think, grow rich by Napoleon Hill. Yeah, amazing book. The language is all very male focused. It's all very heavy and dusty. The um, science of science of getting rich, very religion focused. So I had to like refigure out how to take what I was learning and shift it into a way that worked for me, my brain and as a woman and as a mother. Um, later on, that was my vow to actually go and create the resources for women and mums, which I have done with my two books. But back then it was, it was harder. And then I had this shifting moment where I realized I have the energy to attract anything I want. And it just shifted instead of I'm so broke. I'm so bad at everything. I'm no good. All this accumulative works over months of building my confidence with money, of learning what the energy of money actually looks and feels like, what the energy and frequency of wealth actually looks and feels like. I just had this shift overnight where I'm like, I get to choose whatever the fuck I want. It's like a magic wish list. Like when I was a kid, I would wish for something, I would work towards it and I would achieve it. And then somewhere along the way as an adult, we start to doubt that. We start to doubt ourselves. We start to get cynical. <laughs> we start to get passive about things and when I just tap back into, I can create whatever I want. I am the designer of my life. No one else gets to be in charge of it for me. Massive shifts. Obviously through this time as well, dealing with a lot of the friend stuff, losing a lot of friends, <laughs> gaining new ones, ironically through the mindset work I did. One of my actual best friends, I sat down, I was doing this exercise where it was like, write about your perfect day or your perfect relationship with money writing down like money feels so supportive and expansive and um, money's a tool and resource to help me like have an amazing life. And then I kind of thought, okay, so this is working for money. I'm going to use the same practice and I am going to do it for a friend. I want to make more friends. I'm ready. I'm healing from the trauma of being kicked out of my friend group. I am going to make more friends. And so I use this exact same script I had um, a woman come over like the next day for like a discovery meeting, I guess you would call it. 
Um, and she didn't end up purchasing any of my products that I had set up for her to have a look at. But I ended up texting her after and being like, I know this is super weird, but I just really enjoyed chatting with you. I feel like, you know, our 15 minute appointment lasted two hours. I just feel like you're really amazing. Would you like to grab coffee sometime? She's now one of my best friends. I used that exact script. I literally called in the perfect person. I was like, she's going to like similar things to me. We're going to have similar brains. We're both going to be very ambitious. We're both not going to leave to live in each other's pocket to be great friends. And I literally called in my best friend through the energy work that I had set up. So anyway, that's kind of a little bit of my story. Growing up with money stuff, my mum was the super budgeter. My dad worked really hard, had a great income, was very focused on, you know, as men do in that phase of their life, protect, provide, protect family, make as much as possible, build my kingdom. And my mum was the one that managed everything else and made everything else work. If my dad said, I want money for this, she'd be like, okay, let me figure it out and make it work. But the flip side of that, amazing wife, supportive mother, but really, she had a really toxic relationship with money. Bills were always the biggest deal. You know, it'd be three or four hours on the phone to Telstra arguing about a bill to maybe get $10 off the bill. It would be, we can't afford that. We can't afford that. We're not made of money. Um, I thought growing up, we were poor. I thought we were so fucking broke that we could never have anything. Like, so there was so much stuff as a kid that I never asked for, that I never expressed any desire for because I'm like, we're broken. We can't afford that looking back as an adult now and i'm just like we were well off what the fuck was wrong with me i thought we were poor we had a house that my parents paid off we always had new cars on salary sacrifice we had a holiday house that my parents paid off too we were not poor <laughs> yet i had this mindset that we were completely broke and that also your self-worth comes from being debt free your self-worth comes from saying, I own multiple homes. Your benchmark of whether you're a good person or not comes from how much money you have in the bank and how much money you earn per hour. This is the lesson my dad always said. His mission when he started his apprenticeship and then he went on to work in the fire service and I, he's, what he's done is incredible. But his goal was to always make $60 an hour. He wanted to make a dollar a minute. And when he achieved that, he'd like made it. And so I sit down with him now and I'm like, yeah, you're like, that's awesome. My um, rate's $222 an hour. And just like, it's just, it blows his mind. It blows my mind. And, I, you know, he was like, I worked really hard. I got a really good job and I make, you know, $60 an hour. And my husband and I are over here like, that's cute. We're super proud of you. You did amazing for the time that you're in. But like, that's cute. We make money differently now. Right. So there's been a lot of healing for me around my parents' money blueprints got passed down to me. So this is the first thing we're going to talk about is the fact that between the ages of one and seven, you're essentially a little dry sponge. This is what we are. You like most of the women in here are mums. This is the mums manifesting wealth group. Most of my marketing is geared towards mums. I, I do have a couple of clients who are mums, but the majority are. You know what it's like when your kids like you say asshole in passing on the phone one day or in traffic you're like fucking dickhead and two weeks later your toddler comes out with that at kindy when someone cuts in front of them on the bike track fucking dickhead like sponges they are little dry sponges we know this i know this you know this everything that we do they are watching they are absorbing they are gonna spit that back out somewhere that they shouldn't spit that back out right like, mommy really likes wine. She drinks it every night. Yeah, let's not say that at kindy. Okay, bud. Um, but also, 
your mummy should probably chill out on the wine, right? So <laughs> dry sponges between the ages of one and seven, we are essentially like born with the two basic things like, like breathe, shit, piss and burp when you need to, hiccups exist, heart keeps beating, that type of stuff. But then also two inbuilt fears, fear of the darkness and fear of heights. That's inbuilt human fear that we get the second we are born. Um, and that's, that's what it is. That's like the pack, start a pack, right? Start a pack. And then between the ages of one and seven, we upgrade our starter pack with all this information that's coming into our world from our direct environment. There's no like rule books. You don't go and plug your two year old into the wall and upgrade him with the latest software. It'd be like freaking amazing if you could do that. I just desperately want to be able to like memory card some stuff out or like send it to the cloud because I feel like there's not enough space in here for everything I need. But we can't do that to our, we can't upgrade our kids. So they're collecting the information. They're collecting the rules. They're creating those pathways in their brain from their experience. You know, I say like kids, what we say, they don't listen to what we say, they listen to what we do. So you can say a million times, don't touch the stove, it's hot. At some point, they're still going to touch the stove, right? So they're collecting their experiences from around them. They're absorbing everything like a little dry sponge. And so that becomes their blueprint. Like their mind is so flexible at that point. But also they are so trusting. They don't think anyone can lie to them at that point. They don't think anything could be untrue. What they see and what they hear and what they experience is truth, is reality. So if they experience a life where, um, oh my God, I'm trying to think of a, a balanced example here. Like I grew up with, between the ages of one and seven, with a mum who bills with the biggest issue and bills with the biggest job and she'd sit at well she wouldn't sit she'd stand at the kitchen counter with the where the phone was attached to the wall i know right it would go around like ching ching ching, ching, ching like you dial and it was a the curly cord and she would stand there with one leg propped up um like a little flamingo and go through piles of paperwork and bills and stuff and we'd be playing in the background or doing whatever when you grow up seeing that experience of like Bills, money, and that type of administ life administration takes up a massive chunk of your life. That's that's a woman. I never saw my dad. I never saw my dad make a phone call to Telstra or anything. It would always be Lou, like Louise, can you call Telstra? Louise, can you call work and let him know I'll be in late? Mum was like, in a, like a secretary for my dad. When you grow up seeing that every day, I'm not in my friends' households. I'm not in other families. I don't know what it looks like if the woman works full time and the man stays at home. I don't know what it looks like if they both handle life administration. I don't know what it looks like if a bill comes in and someone just pays it and doesn't call up and argue about the bill. I don't know what that looks like because I'm a little kid and I've never seen that. So my entire blueprint for the world is that woman handles money, man runs management, <laughs> woman is the secretary that makes it all happen and she handles the burden and the stress and the anxiety and the toxic relationship with money because he works all week and he shouldn't have to deal with that so i'll handle it that's my blueprint that's my blueprint that's how i believe a marriage works that's what i believe it looks like that's where i believe the responsibility of money sits firmly on women's shoulders and it is our job to manage and handle everything right 
So we're little sponges. I just soaked that up and that became my reality because I didn't see or know any different. So we absorb things from our parents, our grandparents, our teachers, our experiences, our trauma that we go through as a kids because a lot of us are really realizing there's some shit there that we need to touch on. What we experience in those first seven years is super crucial, super crucial. I know this now as a mother, I can see where I fucked up. My eldest is 11 and he was the little sponge when I was in my network marketing days, when I was a health coach who stood on stage in front of 2000 people and said, hi, I'm Shona and I've lost 25 kilos. He saw that. He was present for that phase of my experience where I ate broccoli and salmon only for like six months, where I lived off protein shakes, where mommy would get on the scales every single day and have multiple people over to my house to weigh them every single day. And it was all about how many times a week are we working out? He saw that. And so now my son, along with myself, sees a therapist for eating disorder behaviors because his blueprint and his programming is your self-worth is attached to what you look like. I know I fucked up there. I know I fucked up, right? That's his blueprint. And we are working super hard now to shift and change that. Whereas my daughter and my son were not at that point. They weren't old enough when I was in that phase. Hudson didn't even exist because hello, surprise baby. When they tell you, you can't get pregnant anymore. And I definitely should have sued my gynecologist. Found out I was three months pregnant, had another baby that I'm still I'm still wrapping my head around the fact I got three kids, to be honest. It's fucking blows my mind. He's nearly three. Anyway, Hudson and Holly never saw really that side of mummy that was weighing people and tracking her weight and tracking her calories and running in the morning and then going to CrossFit and then doing flyers for hours in the afternoon and then working out again. And they never saw that. So they don't have the worthiness attached to all that stuff the way that Eric does because he was a little dry sponge and saw and experienced the majority of that. Sorry, this is what happens when I'm on a live. I can see my hair and then I just play with it the whole time. Distracted cocaine squirrel. Hello, yes, that's me. Um, and then Hudson. Hudson has no idea. Hudson just eats whatever the fuck Hudson wants to eat. He's not worried about being fat or skinny or he needs to work out every day. He's not interested in that. He doesn't even know it's a thing because he's in, in his experience, he hasn't seen a mum mummy dieting. He hasn't seen a mummy that's restricting her food. He hasn't seen a mummy that like obsessively works out. So it's not even in his reality, right? So this is kind of like looking back over the experience of my three kids because there is such an age gap there. I can see how much this sponge activity, it, it's true. We think it's like, oh, we're, we're, they're not soaking up that much. And I'm like, yeah. They are. So we're between the ages of one and seven for you. What is your earliest memory of money, of money being a thing? What is the earliest journey around money for you? What is the earliest memory that money brings up for you? Because this is where it can call in and you can start to see that a lot of the behaviors we're now doing is like 30 year olds, 35 year olds, 40 year olds. I'm not sure how old you guys are. Um, don't say 18 because I'll feel really old, but there's really a little seven year old running the show. Cause what happens is we're out here going, I'm a manifesting badass and I'm a six figure business owner and I can do it. And I believe money is my best friend. And then your inner seven year old is like, but wait, Dad went bankrupt. 
money is bad. Money is why my parents split up. Money is not safe. We don't like money. Money is horrible. And you're consciously going, I manifest money. Money's a badass. I'm so excited. Like, love money. Your inner seven-year-old's like, no, bitch, fucking run. We're not doing money. So then there's this dissonance. I think that's the right word. Disconnect. That's the right word. There's this disconnect between our conscious and subconscious. And it's this constant fight between what we want and our subconscious blueprint, that inner seven-year-old that is kind of actually the one pulling the strings. That's the one keeping us stuck because our inner seven-year-old is just trying to keep us safe. That's all it is. That's all that blueprint is there. The blueprint is there because it wants to keep us safe and protected, right? So this is the thing, what I realized when I had my first $17,000 a month in business and you guys know, I hate talking about how much money I make because I never, ever, ever want that to be the reason someone works with me. I hate it. I'm dead against it. Um, I actually have like a post and a blog coming about this soon because I would never want someone to be like, she's made a hundred thousand dollars. I want to make a hundred thousand dollars. I'll work with her. No, you should work with me because you love my energy and my strategy and you know what I teach and how I coach works, but never because I made X amount. So I hate to know how much money I made, but I had my first $17,000 a month. The very next month, it was like $14,000 went out. It was $7,000 on a Centrelink bill, $8,000 on, by the way, your bathroom's fucked and insurance won't cover it. And we, we need to redo your entire bathroom and your daughter's room because mold is everywhere. So it was this massive high of look how much money I made. My business is growing. I'm having so much impact. And then everything came out and my husband and I both went, this always happens to us. We never can keep money. It always leaves us. It always, you know, if we make it, it just goes on something or some problem pops up. And it wasn't until I'd done this money mindset work, like this pattern repeated. It was $17,000 a month, 14 grand out. $8,000 a month, $6,000 I had to back pay to daycare. Like all this stuff happened. Um, $10,000 a month. Oh, my husband's car needs all this work done on it. $8,000 out. It just kept happening. And the more it happened, the more my brain reinforced that story. Like, okay, well, this has happened two or three times now. This is always the way it's going to be. And looking back, it was my inner seven-year-old that goes, having a lot of money is not safe. Having a lot of money, you will always blow it because you're not good with money. Having a lot of money means you are not a good mum because your mum was a great mum. Your mum was amazing. She didn't work a lot and she didn't make a lot of money. And if you make a lot of money, that means you're a bad mum. My inner seven-year-old like had like this sabotaging pattern Consciously, I wanted more money because I wanted to feel safe and I wanted to like do things with my kids and actually grow and get rid of credit card debt. But subconsciously, I did not feel safe being a wealthy woman. My subconscious seven-year-old was putting the brick wall up and going like, you shall not like Gandalf, you shall not pass. Yes, that was a Lord of the Rings reference. Don't hate me too much. You shall not go to her further. You shall not make more money. Here is your financial glass ceiling. It is $35,000 a year because that's what you used to make before you became a mum and you cannot make more than that 
Um, and I will fuck up your life in multiple ways if you even try to go over that, right? So I had this set point, $35,000 a year. I never seemed to make more than that. I never seemed to make more than my husband made. It just seemed like every time I would sabotage the money away, something would come up. Or ironically, the first time we had a decent chunk of money come in and then it like stayed in our account for a couple of weeks and we were looking at houses. We put an offer in on a house and we didn't get it. And then the money kind of sat there and nothing else came to take it away. Guess what we did? Guess what we fucking did? Just went to Harvey Norman and just got rid of that money because it didn't fucking feel safe to have it, right? So looking back, I can see the patterns. Looking back, I know that it was a little girl inside of me going, money is not safe and we can't have it. And I need to protect you by subconsciously getting rid of all this money or subconsciously making sure you can't grow. But in the real world, it was just like, you just don't feel confident and you just don't feel capable. So once I started money mindset work and I started to realize my subconscious history with money as a child, and then I started to realize the benefits I had of being broke, right? So should we talk about the benefits of being broke? No, 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 no. Let me finish on this the little sponge section. One to seven little sponges. Once you turn seven, you start to get like, not logical processing, but you start to develop a little bit of distrust around your little bubble you've been in, right? Our bubble starts to expand a little bit more. We start to see different things and different peoples, but it happens at a conscious level. We start to go, oh, like my friend's family does things differently. I never get takeaway food and they get takeaway food every week after basketball and their family still seems to be fine. Hmm. There's a different way of doing things, right? And we start to broaden our horizons internally. Our little seven-year-old with that blueprint that we're unaware of most of the time is still like, no, that's bad. They're a piece of shit because you don't spend money on takeaway food. That's what we've learned. Mum and dad said takeaway was a waste. We never have takeaway. If we have takeaway, we're a shit human, right? Who else had that blueprint growing up? That takeaway food is the devil. You, we cannot afford McDonald's. Don't even ask. KFCs for rich people. We don't get it. <laughs> Oh my God, that took some healing. I literally had like four years of being able to afford a takeaway coffee and not buying it because it was like, you make money at home. Don't be like, you make coffee at home. Don't be fucking ridiculous. Why are you getting a takeaway coffee? And then realizing, mm, I wonder why I'm not fully stepping into my wealthy self. I wonder why I'm not actually feeling as abundant as I am doing all these affirmations, meditating, um, right, because I'm still acting like a broke bitch. I'm still acting from that place of scarcity. Jess said, buy the damn coffee. Buy the fucking coffee. Anyone in the world. I love this. Like, so let's just do simple maths on the coffee situation. People are like, oh, if you just cut away takeaway coffees, you'd be able to afford a house. And it's like, all right, all right, let, let's do the maths. If I cut away every takeaway coffee I had for a year, I would have, are you ready? Drum roll. $1,200. $1,200 with the average house deposit being in six figures, that would take me like, what, 120 years minimum to save for my house deposit? So anytime a boomer tells you they can get, you can buy a house, it's not that hard, just cut away, take away coffees and stop having avocado on toast, uh, you can tell them to roll up their privilege and insert it where the sun doesn't shine, right? So it, it's different. Let's touch on that as well, because I feel like 
this, this is a whole thing and we will touch on that we're going deeper into this in abundance fuck my course so don't stress we actually like talk about having those conversations with people in our life that have their firm opinions about money and how to diffuse that situation and, and like detract your own self-worth from their opinions the average house in 1995 was three times the australian wage to purchase the average house in 2021 19 times the average wage so if you're like me and you like i love my parents they're amazing people but sometimes they're like well you just i don't know how you can spend so much money and i'm like because there's like you didn't have netflix and gym subscriptions and and you know multiple kids school camps and private health insurance has got like anyway it's a whole thing it's a whole thing but let's just focus on that if anyone says like oh it's so it was so easy to buy a house it's like yes in 1995 it was easy to buy a house um because it was three times the average wage now it's 19. i don't know about you but having like 19 jobs is not not ideal right not ideal my parents second home that they bought what is is was not even the deposit for the house that i'm in it was like half their entire home was half of the deposit for this home it's just it's just a whole different thing it is anyway so moving on from that so it's realizing you've got this blueprint inside you from the ages of one to seven and then what happens is it is reinforced you know so if you believe your shit with money because your parents are always like, you know, they've got money and then they get rid of money and then dad goes to the pub and then suddenly there's no money for groceries and you've just got this cycle that bad with money, bad with money. Or maybe you saved up your Christmas money. Every Christmas for two Christmases and you were so excited and you were gonna go buy this toy and it was incredible and you're so excited about it, you got it home and then next week, you know, your friends wanna go to the movies and your mum's like, well, yeah, take your pocket money. And you're like, I don't have any pocket money. I shouldn't have bought this toy. Then I'll be able to go to the movies with the pocket money. I'm so bad with money. Why aren't I any good with this? And every little experience you have throughout your life then reaffirms that belief. I'm no good with money. Oh, I can't manage my money right. Why am I so bad at this? You know, you've got that belief that I'm not good enough. I'm not smart. I'm not smart. I hear this all the time from women. I'm not smart enough to deal with money. Here's the thing. It's not like being born with brown or blue eyes. Has anyone seen the Boss Baby movie? I, just, I speak about this enough, I know. The Boss Baby movie where they, they are babies born from whatever weird thing this movie's doing and the baby comes down this like shoot. <laughs> it's an actual shoot, I'm not like baby shoot. This is like little track, the baby comes down and it, it goes into this little like circle and then this little robotic hand comes out and tickles its belly with a feather. And if the baby laughs, it becomes an actual baby and goes off to live with a family delivered by a stork. And if you tickle the baby, it's, it's a slide. Yeah, it's not a shoot, it's a slide. It tickles the baby and the baby doesn't laugh. The baby's serious and the baby goes to the, the company and the baby works as part of Boss Baby Inc. or whatever it is. And I'm just like, that doesn't actually happen in real life, guys. It's a kid's movie. So you don't come down this slide and some magical force decides, okay, you should be wealthy and you should be a piece of shit with nothing it doesn't happen it doesn't come down and go like you should be really smart with money and you will never be able to understand it or say it doesn't happen it doesn't happen all right no one is born with the ability to be good with money yes there are factors like mental health that come into play yes i have adhd a part of that is impulsivity or if you're like me punished for the impulsivity at a young age so it becomes ocd and really anxious about money 
like as another thing, like never an impulsive shopper as a contradiction to knowing I have no impulse control. So there are things that come into play with that. I'm not discounting that, but there's no rule that says you can't learn about money. This is the thing. Everyone can choose to learn about money, can choose to learn about money mindset, can choose to learn about investing. It is a skill. It's not something that's like exclusive. If you're born in this certain postcode, you get to learn about it. And if you're born in all the other postcodes, you don't get to learn about it. The rules are the same. Anyone can choose to learn about this. And the great thing is, in this day and age, it doesn't come down to like, oh, well, you need to do six years of university to understand money and you, you need to read this book or you need to watch this video because it's the thing we all learn with different styles. Some of us uh, prefer audio, start listening to audio books. Some of us prefer to read and write and, and handle our shit like that. Do it that way. Some of us prefer six years at university. Go and fucking do it if you want to. But I'm just saying you choose to learn it or not. It's like riding a bike. Everyone has the potential to choose to learn to ride a bike, even with disabilities and stuff. Let's let's be honest, because I I have multiple friends um, that physically, if you looked at them, you wouldn't assume they'd be able to ride a bike and they do triathlons. It is still a choice to learn. And even taking away the example of like privilege, because, yes, if you couldn't afford to go to university, if you couldn't afford to jump on and do a money mindset program with me libraries podcasts webinars blogs you can learn as much as you want information hello google hello youtube you can right money is a skill that we either choose to learn about or we choose not to that's it that's it it's not some inbuilt thing that you're born with no one has it it's not like grew brown eyes. And even these days, I'm like, well, you can get colored contacts. You can even change that if you want to. But it's not some set thing. You can at any point in your life choose differently, choose the next stage. What is it? Colonel Sanders was like nearly in his 70s when he founded KFC. Like, I don't think we've got any excuses to be like, well, I'm 35 and I've just always been shit with money. And so I will just always be shit with money. Like, no. Would you... To your child, when they're crawling and then they want to start walking and, you know, they stand up and they're really wobbly and they take a couple of steps forward and then they fall down. You don't then go to your child like, ha, 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 you're so shit at walking. You should just give up. You are never going to get that. Oh, my fucking God. Don't try again. Don't try again. You're awful. No one does that. So why do we do that to ourselves the first time we fuck up with anything? We're just like, well, I'm shit and I won't try that again. That's such a closed mindset. We teach our kids about growth mindset and yet we as adults are not implementing a growth mindset because we just believe we're these stuck fixtures that can't change. And I know I'm preaching to the converter because if you're here on this webinar, you're not the type of person who believes they're, they're fixed and stuck. You believe that you have potential and change and skills and capacity to grow and evolve and become the best version of you. That's the whole fucking point. But when our child starts trying to walk or run or crawl or whatever they're doing and they fall down or we we fool Chris Jenner them you're doing amazing sweetie try again get back up try again you can do this we're here for you we support you we love you you've got to start being your own Chris Jenner you're doing amazing sweetie I'm so proud of you 
that's how we need to be for ourselves. We are that way for our kids and we are that way for our partners and we need to start being that way for ourselves. Right? Okay. So I totally tangent on to a million different things that I wasn't planning on speaking on. But yeah, if anyone wants to share their earliest memory of money, then let's dive in. If anyone wants, has any questions they want me to answer, I'm going to keep going for another probably half an hour. So I want to answer as many questions as possible, but I want to tap into the four most common beliefs that I see with women and money that are kind of stopping them and holding them back. And then I want to give you a couple of tips to actually move forward out of this space with speed, right? So the first belief that I see is the whole waiting for someone else to save you. And this pops up in ways where it's like, my, my in-laws are brilliant for this all the time. You got your lottery numbers? Oh, yep. Yeah. Well, when we win the lotto, if we win the lotto one day, oh, we can't wait to give back to you guys and, you know, give you some money when we win the lottery. And go like, that's great. And yeah, buy a lottery ticket. I have lottery tickets because I'm like, I'm, I'm allowing miracles. I am open for miracles. Am I working towards a holiday in Bora Bora with my husband? Yes. Am I entering free competitions to win a holiday to Bora Bora? Yes. Because hello, I'm open to miracles. But am I putting all my eggs in the basket of one day winning the lottery? No. Right. Waiting for someone else to save you can also look like when I get my inheritance, everything will be okay. When I get a promotion, everything will be okay. Or knowing that your husband swoops in and saves you, your parents swoop in and save you. So there's this thing of like, oh, well, I'll be okay. We'll just ask mom and dad for money for this. Or we'll just ask mom and dad for money for the new car. Or, um, oh, we're a little bit stuck this month. We'll just, you know, we'll do it this way. It's really handing your power over to someone else. And this is the thing to be fully empowered. You first have to be fully responsible because you're not in control of anyone else around you, not your partner, not your kids, not your boss, not the people you work with, not the government, not the lottery people. The only person you have any form of control over is yourself, is yourself. So if we put our financial destiny into all these other people's hands, like, you know, when my husband gets a better job, everything will be great. I did this for fucking years. I did this for years because I'm super ambitious and I could not understand why he wasn't super ambitious and wanted to grow in his company. He's very, like grow with it where he was working. He's very good at what he does. And I was like, just, you know, you, he was getting offered jobs in the mines every couple of weeks on four to six times the income he was currently on. And I couldn't understand why he wasn't taking it. And I'm like, you know what, if you just take that, our life will get better. If you just take the money, we will be able to do this and you will be able to have this and everything will get better and easier. And then it was like the minute, literally the minute I finally healed that because that has taken a little while. And we super honest because of the subconscious blueprint that I had of man, make money, woman, manage life and expectations. And then realizing I'm actually ambitious as fuck. And I'm not the biggest fan of motherhood. I love my kids. I would walk through a cement wall for my kids. They're the most amazing humans ever. Do I like parenting? No. Do I like motherhood? No. Is it something I want to do full time? Fuck no. So that projection of man makes all the money, woman manages the life and the kids. 
that was my subconscious blueprint going, this is the way you do it. This is what is right. This is what your parents do. This is what everyone does. This is what you should want. But deeply in my soul, knowing I cannot be a mum 24-7. I cannot be a mum 24-7. No, I would not survive it. I've done for 10 years. I have been mainly a mum with businesses on the side and recently finally gave myself permission to go, that is not for me. And giving my husband permission to not be the income earner in our relationship. He's happier, I'm happier, everything works because I finally healed and could let go of that blueprint that was just clogging me up for fucking years, right? So in the minute I stopped relying on him for literally any income, he goes and be super successful. <laughs> he was waiting for that pressure to be removed because all I was doing was like, he will fix it. He will make more money. He will get a new job. He will do this and everything will be better. And it's like, you can't control anyone outside of you, Shona. Control yourself. And then I went and had like a $50,000 a month and made pretty much what he made the whole 12 months prior because I could finally let that go. Finally let that. So I stopped waiting for someone else to save me. And I saved my damn self. Am I still very soft and vulnerable in my relationship? Absolutely. But I'm confident and trusting and certain in the fact that I'm going to take care of my family, right? So the belief number two that pops up for a lot of women that I work with, this is usually like one of the very first sentences, is that I'm not good enough with money. And that really, you know, it can stem from those original seven years where we're little sponges, but it can also be the type of experience that's just reaffirmed, reaffirmed, reaffirmed as an adult. Every time we make a mistake with money, which by the way, we're meant to make mistakes. If my kids make a mistake, am I like going off my tree at them, yelling and screaming and being like, you're a horrible person. You will never get this right. Why are you such a piece of shit? No, I'm like, dude, it's a mistake. It's fine. It was an accident. Get a towel, clean it up and let's all move on. You've got to treat yourself the way you're treating your kids. But as adult, we have this thing where it's like, oh, you know, I forgot to pay an electricity bill once fuck, I'm so bad at bills. Why can't I remember these? Oh my God, this is just horrible. I'm never going to get this together. Like, no. But then we forget a bill again or something happens or they send it in an email even though they were meant to post it and they didn't let you know and it gets missed. And then suddenly your brain goes, oh my God, I forgot to pay the bill. The minute you think that your brain starts filing and looking for experiences that have happened before like this. Oh, yeah, remember? It like pulls out its little file card. Can you tell I used to love filing when I worked at the office? That was my favorite job because I could just zone out and do the filing. It was so good. Broke my engagement ring like two times though on the file drawers. Not, not fun. Anyway, it goes through the file and it finds the last time that happened. It's like, oh, yes, we've done this before. We know this. This is the rule. We're shit with money. <laughs> and it's like, no, no, you're not. Because your brain's finding that one bad experience. It's not looking at the 80 other ones in that file where you were really great with money, where you made a really great decision with money. It's it's like, you know, <laughs> Google. It's what you put in Google. You got like you're super specific and it will come up with super specific responses. So if you're going, I'm so bad with money, it comes up with all the expect like examples of when you're really bad with money. If you put in and ask yourself, when have I been really good with money? When have I made a really great financial decision? When has money felt expansive and supportive and neutral for me? Then you will find evidence for that. But the problem is we're not having those conversations. You're not thinking about, why am I grateful for money? How does money support me and my family? What good experiences have come from money? This whole thing of I'm not good with money. 
And I find like a really good example of that is when we've got debt. When we've got debt. Because as the world tells us, debt is a horrible, awful, nasty thing that no one should have and is the complete devil. And if you have any form of debt, you are a worthless piece of shit. Which is a lie from the devil, right? It is a lie. (laughs) That is a lie. Debt is not a bad thing. Talk to anyone making like seven figures over, they have debt. They probably have piles of debt. I have a mortgage. We're looking at investment properties, like business loans. Debt is just a part of life. And yet we have all this emotional charge around it. And I have clients that are like, oh my God, I just, oh, I feel awful. I've got like $7,000 on a credit card and I just feel sick every time I think about it. And it's like, okay, what's, was that seven thousand dollars and they were like oh you know we took a trip to the snow as a family um before my mum passed away and it was really special and we got to have that time with her and then i had to pay for my son to have braces and you know he's really glad he got them but i'm still stuck paying them off and i'm like okay so you used a credit card to further your life have amazing experience do something that's really important for your kids that now is going to give him confidence and health like benefits for the rest of his life. Why are we attaching a bad thing to it? Because it has an interest on it every month. Like why are you holding so much negative energy? The debt was just a choice. It was a choice to pay something off over time rather than up front. Whether that was a choice or a necessity, it was still, that's all it is, right? If you'd paid for a trip to the snow, And if you've bought your child the braces that they needed and you'd done it without the debt, you wouldn't have this toxic energetic charge with it. And the only reason you have the toxic energetic charge is because you believe that that debt makes you a bad person. When hello, I don't know if you guys know this, but wealthy people use credit cards all the fucking time because they get points on it. And that's how they get first class travel. Like credit cards are not a bad thing. They're only viewed as a bad thing if if you're middle class it's this really fucked up attitude everyone wealthy i know uses credit cards i actually don't have one at the moment (laughs) i actually don't have one because we're restructuring a few things and had to restructure all our business accounts and it was just like yeah i'll get to that i'll get to that i'll get to that i haven't got to it yet um but yeah i've like had three or four credit cards in the past had a really toxic energy around it and i couldn't seem to pay them off until I'd done the mindset work where I felt totally neutral around my credit card debt. And then I manifested enough to pay off both credit cards like that. Literally the moment I had this shift inside me, I think four hours later, we got this random notification of a back pay check that paid off both of our credit cards. And it was just like, oh, of course it does. Of course it happened that way, right? The freakiest things, the freakiest things. Wealthy people use credit cards because they don't hold the toxic energy with credit cards that the rest of us do. That's the key. That Credit cards are not the devil. Debt is not the devil. When everyone's like, oh, I've got a hex debt. Oh, I've got a mortgage. And it's like, <laughs> that's great. That's cool. Because both those things gave you something incredible for your life. Your hex debt gave you your education and your career and your future like that. Your mortgage gives you a roof over your head and a home for your children and safety and security that we need to feel like a functioning human, right? And this is a thing where everyone's like, but I want to be debt free. Everyone tells us we should be debt free. Everyone tells us we should be debt free. You won't hear that sentence from me. 
because I know how real wealthy people live from a place of overflow, from a place of abundance, from a place where they don't hold this negative charge around debt, right? You can't at 50 walk into a grocery store, work into Woolworths, do your shopping, get to the checkout and they'll be like, great. So that's $240 and you're like, but I'm debt free. I'm retired and debt free. And they're like, yeah. So how are you paying for your bananas? And you're like, but I'm debt free. <laughs> like it doesn't work when you're debt free. All you have is assets that yes, you can turn into money if you sell them and then no longer have the assets. So I don't believe in the debt free thing. I don't believe debt is the devil. I don't believe credit cards are the devil. I just think we need to reframe our energy around them. So they become a tool and a resource for us to access what we need, live an incredible life and further ourselves. Okay. Once you heal your energy around debt, credit cards, investments, that type of thing, then it doesn't hold the toxic charge. Then it doesn't feel bad. Then you don't create issues with it. Then you don't self-sabotage. Then you can use it in a healthy, constructive way as a, the tool and resource that it is destined and meant to be. Okay. Any thoughts on that? Let me know. I'd love to chat more about that. Okay. I need to find my notes again because <laughs> squirrel bitch, totally off tangent. Okay. Belief number three is a big one. When I asked... The women who have been working with the longest, what was the biggest shift for them? This was number one for all of them. Hindsight probably should have started with this, but this is how my brain works writing notes at 11.30 last night, because once again, I chose sex over sleep and all the rest of the stuff, because yes, that's me. If I'm ever late to events, if I, yeah, I will always, always choose sex over anything else. When you think, about rich people feel free to put this in the comments what comes up for you when you think about regina george um scrooge mcduck scrooge from christmas carol mr burns richie rich's parents jeff bezos elon musk when you think about wealth, rich, what comes up for you? When you think about really rich people, what do you feel in your body and what type of thoughts are popping into your head? Because the majority of the programming that we get between one and seven, especially look at any kids TV show. Who is the villain? It's either the mayor of the town, the rich, creepy guy on the hill with the big house, the, the rich kids actually a bully. What is it? Hating Alice. And this is the thing I'm speaking to purely Australian people that grew up in the 90s and early 2000s but if you ever watched the movie hating alice and ashley it was this movie about this this girl these two girls one was like a bit grumpy and emo and she had this crazy family with the brother brother grew pot or tomato plants and the mum and dad were all over the place and then the rich pretty girl who had the perfect lunchbox and was just so fucking perfect that we all kind of wanted to be at the end of the movie you discover like she's miserable and she hates her life and her parents are shit and she never has any company and she never has any friends and it just becomes this subconscious programming 
that number one, rich people are greedy and dirty and gross and they're horrible people and they're evil and they're just wrong or that they're not happy. That whole like money isn't everything. And I think there's so much behind that money isn't everything conversation that we're not having. Even yesterday I was at an event and they're like, you know, joy and love is so important. Money's not everything. And I'm like, yes, but our relationship with money ripples out. If we are stressed and in a toxic place with money, it affects how we speak to our kids. It affects our relationship with our partner. It affects um, how we invest in our health. So when we say money isn't everything, it's not everything, but it is a really important, like a really important component to that entire conversation. But we've grown up with this belief that like, I'd rather be happy and poor than rich and miserable. And yes, no one should be like, the goal is not to be rich and miserable or rich and an asshole. But here's the thing. If someone's going to be a rich asshole, they were an asshole to begin with. The money didn't make them an asshole. Money is a tool. Money is a resource. Money isn't something that you hold like a magic Harry Potter thing and it goes internally into you and changes your biochemical structure and your personality. It's, it's literally this dead, hard, cold thing that we touch and transfer from one account to another. It cannot affect us. We can project our bullshit onto it, but it cannot come in and change who we are. Money will amplify whatever is already there. So if you are already a kind, philanthropic, wonderful person, money will amplify that. Money will help you reach more people. Money will help you be able to work with more charities. Money will help you reach an impact on a bigger scale. If you were a greedy, egotistical asshole before money, and then you got money, you'll be a greedy, egotistical asshole on a bigger level, right? And that's what we see. That's the projection as a kid that we're actually seeing through all of these stories and that. But between the ages of one and seven, we're not smart enough to go, hey, this I think this villain had particular family trauma from his you know, experiences as a child. And he happened to become a really successful CEO. And now he's the villain in this particular cartoon, but it all stems from the trauma that he never felt loved from his dad. As children, we're going money bad. The good guy, Harry Potter, living under the stairs, poor. Down like the underdog, the orphan. He's the good guy. Malfoy is rich, well off, bad guy. We've got all this subconscious stuff. And yes, it's so much deeper than that. But that's the thing. As kids, we, we don't go deeper than that. We can't see deeper than that. We're like three and four. We don't know. And the most basic association is this because the pattern keeps repeating in every TV show, in every movie, princesses, diaries, mean girls, all that type of stuff. We see rich equals bad. And that's just the programming that we get, right? So often a lot of the time what happens is we're like, I'm going to manifest money and I'm going to be a badass and I'm going to grow a six figure business and everything's going to be great. And subconsciously our inner seven year olds, but like, but then you will be the popular rich girl that everyone hates. We saw that on Degrassi. We know how that works. And that is not a safe place to be. No one will like you. You will not have any friends. We need to get rid of this money. We need to self-sabotage her because we can't be the bad guy. Subconsciously, we're going, yes, I'm ready for this. This is going to improve my life. We know logically, consciously, we're like, money is good. Money is safe. But until we can acknowledge the little seven-year-old inside us, until we can like reparent her and let her know that money is safe and money is okay and we're going to be all right, she will keep self-sabotaging you. She will keep 
pushing you away from money because she believes that is going to make you the villain, right? So we need to consciously do the work to acknowledge the subconscious, dive into that. What's our history with money? What's our earliest memory with money? What, how does money make me feel? And then we dive into how do I rewire this belief? How do I reframe rich, wealthy people to a place where not only does that feel good and inspiring and motivating, but it feels safe. It feels achievable. It feels like I recognize that they are no different to me that they are also a good person. Yes, there are people out there who do the wrong thing to get where they are. Yes, there are some genuinely evil people in this world, but they were evil regardless of money or not. There are some people that, I wouldn't say money corrupts, but money shifts their priorities. But it usually happens from a much bigger level. Like it's like, okay, I never felt like I had enough as a child and you know the electricity bill was getting cut off. So as an adult, I work super hard to overcompensate that. And then I detach from my family and all this other type of stuff because I'm working so hard to make sure that it never happens to them. But in turn, I create these problems and I become this like self-obsessed, money-obsessed person. But there's deeper issues. It's not money. Money is not the problem. Money didn't like worm its way inside you. I'm trying to think of like a good movie where there's a visual representation of that. Um, I didn't like... <laughs> You seen the Kingsman movie with the like heroin drug that makes people's faces blue as it worms inside them? That's a good one. If you haven't seen that movie, it's not gonna make sense. But great movie. Love the Kingsman series, actually. That's our comfort watch, me and my husband. Um, it doesn't worm its way inside you and change you. Okay, it's a tool, it's a resource, cold hard, cold hard thing, right? So that's one of the beliefs. And until we can heal that around how we view wealthy, successful people, especially wealthy, successful women, because we are, as women, we're kind of taught and conditioned and programmed to tear the other women around, down around us. We just are. That's just this, like from the days of the Salem witch hunt trials, where it was like woman against woman dobbing in. Like, I'm not a witch, but she is. That type of like dob on each other, tell on each other, tear each other down to make yourself feel safe because she's doing something slightly different or she's doing something too similar to you. So we need to tear that person down so I feel good and I feel safe and that inner seven-year-old feels okay and welcomed and nurtured and all that type of stuff. So women on women, we need to be a little bit more supportive of each other's success. If you can reframe the way you see successful people to from instead of, well, they're a shit human and they might be doing really well and they might be doing wealthy, like wealthy, but I bet they're not happy, but their marriage isn't great. If we can instead reframe that as like that six level of success is possible for me too. And I can do it in a way that feels good for me. And I can make sure all the things that are really important to me stay important to me. So, um, <laughs> Maddie Regina George is flawless. I heard she does car commercials in Japan. Oh my God. Mean Girls Month, isn't it? October, October 3rd. He asked me what day it was. I said October 3rd. So <laughs> that's another, the really big one that we, we actually have a whole week on this in the Abundant as Fuck program, really diving deep into this particular belief because it's, it's an icky one. Once you kind of like crack open that door and realize you have all this subconscious shit holding you back and that you, you know, you're saying to the universe, I'm a successful business owner and I'm going to be wealthy and I'm going to do all this stuff. But in, inside you're like, women with money are disgusting <laughs> because I, you know, my aunt 
was really like made a lot of money and my mum hated her for it and she's always said she was stuck up and in reality we know like your mum was jealous and felt threatened because your aunt chose not to have children and she did so she felt like she had to make her decision the wrong thing because then that made her feel right. anyway you know what i mean there's always more to this always more to the equation but we have it at this link of like money bad money bad on like a two-year-old toddler level money bad we when we can we reframe that that's when we actually are able to fully step in to a wealthy woman this is the thing when people business coaches around the world raise your prices it's always just raise your prices. That's the stock standard bit of advice. Raise your prices, charge double, work with less people, charge more. Advice that will never come out of my mouth. <laughs> yes, some people need to raise their prices, but raising your prices, if you believe that women that get paid for work is a dirty, disgusting thing, hello, how many times have we been taught that women being paid for work, what's popping up for you when I say that, prostitution, whores, sex workers, we have hundreds of years of history telling us that that is a bad thing. Only in the last four or five years are we really opening up that conversation with like sex work being a valid choice, sex work being important, sex work, you know, being something worthy of compass. Like it's fucking amazing. It is amazing. If I had the body, fucking 100% I would have OnlyFans. We talk about it all the time when in my elite membership because it's like anyone with an excuse to not make money these days. I'm like, there is a woman farting in jars for 280 grand a year farting in jars let me just say that again like there is no excuse but we do have this subconscious internal programming that if i say that woman's making money for work where did your brain go straight away that that belief is what stops us growing is what stops us confidently walking into that room with that firm handshake and saying, like, I was at a business lunch yesterday and the women in the room were like, oh, I just run this little side business or I just have this hobby. And I'm like, fucking stop it. You've got a business. You've got a company. You pay GST. Tradies don't go in on the pub on a Saturday night. Oh, what do you do? Oh, I just have this little hobby building. You know, I just, I just do a little bit of tiling on the side. Oh, you know, I just have this little law firm that I run for fun around my kids. Like, that's please, But we as women still downplay we humble ourselves we have these conversations because of some at some aspect we still feel like there is shame attached with women getting paid right there's a whole other element like in the victorian era where women weren't allowed to work women weren't expected to work women only worked if you were like super fucking poor and you went and did labor in laundries or factories but actual well-to-do women did not work they were praised for being pale because it meant they never had to be in the sun or do any work. If you had scars or freckles, you were like this horrible beastly person because that meant you did labor and went outside. There is so much to unravel and unpack here that we don't realize is affecting our daily conversations, the thoughts and words that come out of our mouth. I'm no good with money. My husband handles that. Um, you know, and we know we want to make more money. We know we want to have a better relationship with money because it affects so many other areas of our life. But no budget in the world is going to fix it unless we dive deeper into this. Because this is the, that's the part I got to. I had tried every budget. I had worked with my budget. I had done accounting. I had automatic transfers. I was doing everything right. But what I was doing was putting a Band-Aid over a bullet hole. 
like had been shot and this 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 wound was infected and bleeding and oozing blood my entire life and I just kept putting another band-aid over it this budget will fix it another band-aid this affirmation will fix it another band-aid affirmations work but with everything else you know this this banking system will work another band-aid switching to this credit card will work another band-aid we actually have to take the band-aid off dig into the wound pull out the bullet clean it heal it and then let it regrow in a new way in a stronger way we have to stop putting band-aids over our bullet holes we actually have to deal with the problem and as women we're not good at dealing with the problem are we we're like super good at putting off the problem does anyone else do this thing where they know they need to pee it's like oh yeah i need to pee i'll just i just gotta unpack the dishwasher and then i'll go pee and then i do the dishwasher i just gotta restack the dishwasher and i'll just wipe down the benches and then oh he needs a snack and i'll do this and i'll do that and then I make a coffee and then I sit down and I go outside and then like two hours later, oh yeah, I needed to pee. And then I'll go pee. A man's brain goes, I need to pee, I'll pee. They have single focus, we have diffuse awareness. It's a whole thing, we talk about it in abundance as fuck. We go right into it, it's very, very profound for a lot of women. We put off peeing, we put off eating, we put off getting our hair down, we put off buying the new bras because your kid's four and you don't need breastfeeding bras anymore. They are holy, they are ruined. Go buy some new fucking bras. Not to say that four is the cutoff point for breastfeeding, but you know what I'm saying. Four years is too long for a bra. 15 years is too long for a pillow. On a side note, from my husband who thought that was okay the first time we started dating. Oh my God, pillows should be yearly. Let's just say that. Mascara should be three monthly. All these things. That's not marketing. That's just like bacteria. Let's talk about that another time. <laughs> you've got to stop putting it off we keep putting band-aids over our bullet holes literally this week my vans you guys will see them in all my photos i wear them pretty much every single day in my life um i've had them for nearly just over a year and i wore them all day shopping in the city on monday with my daughter last monday and i came home with the most horrific blisters on both feet i mean like that big on the ball of my foot <laughs> And my husband's like, you better get new shoes. And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll just put a bandaid on them for now and I'll get new shoes. And he's like, no, took the vans and went and put them in the bin. Cause he knew I would keep putting a bandaid on those blisters because there were literally holes in my vans. I've worn them so much. There are holes in there. That's why it's hurting on those blister spots because it's like on the rubber. I'm not sure if that's my husband. I can't tell. Okay. Um, sorry, now my pharmacist is calling as well. <laughs> we had a mix up with my daughter's medication, which is like so fun. Um, we keep putting things off. We keep putting band-aids over bullet holes in every, every area of our life. But if we keep doing it in this area, it ripples out to everything else. And it's that belief of, I'm not smart enough to figure this out. I'm not smart enough to deal with money. I had this belief of, I'm not thin enough to be a successful woman because if I google like CEO rich women right now the majority of them long hair blonde tanned that Balenciaga blazer like there's a look tight pencil jeans Louis Vuitton that blazer with the big gold buttons I think it's Balenciaga 
blonde hair perfectly curled there is a look and the look is thin and so me as a plus size woman recovering anorexic woman fat ceo was something that took a long time to wrap my head around the fact that it is okay to make money in a bigger body it is okay to not look like every other woman out there on these speaking stages and i realized that i was on the in the audience of these events with these ceos on the stage in their pencil tight spray on jeans i have louis vuitton they have the most painful shoes i fucking own i can wear them for a photo and that is it they are horrific they are the biggest 1200 waste of shoes i have ever bought in my life they are fucking horrible if anyone has them on their dream board right now please know i don't know how these bitches walk in them they are horrific anyway anyway i have the shoes these women looked a certain way and it was like i'm not insert whatever it is i'm not blank enough i'm not smart enough i'm not thin enough i'm not blonde enough i'm not you know patient enough whatever it is you think about yourself that you're not enough to be a wealthy woman it's not true it's not true because there is no the determination like wealthy is only set for women who are size zero with blonde hair wealthy is only like look at men look at successful men there is no blueprint to how they look the majority of the top earning men in the world are fucking hideous looking they're certainly not making the cover of any smut romance novels on kindle are they jeff bezos that is not an attractive man so why as women do we put this like benchmark on like successful women look a certain way and act a certain way and do a certain thing men aren't worried about that Men who own billion dollar trucking companies are not worried about look, what they look like in a magazine photo shoot. And yet we hold ourselves back as women because they're like, well, if I reach that level of success, I'm going to be on stages and in magazines and have my photos taken. And that I'm not ready for that yet. I'm not ready for that photo shoot. I just need to lose 15 kilos first. And it's like, no, no. A lot of my business coaching with women revolves around embracing the creative um flow the intuition side of feminine business but also sometimes put your metaphorical strap on on and behave like a man because it's a lot simpler when you walk into a networking event and you shake someone's hand you shake it firmly and you say hi yes i'm the founding director of this company hi yes i run a, a law firm that focuses entirely on um women and integration or whatever it is immigration sorry i run a <laughs> I run an off-for-profit. I run a business making children's wear. Whatever it is, you don't have to downplay it. You don't have to cutesy it. You don't have to humble yourself and play small because it feels safe. Because as a woman, if you walk into a room full of men, and I've done this many a time, and you are successful and good at what you do, they're instantly like, bitch. And at some point we have to go dick back and move on with our life. You're going to copper, but we're not going to change that stigma by still continuing to play small, by still continuing to call our businesses hobbies and side hustles. And I just run this little thing. The only reason we change the way we change that conversation about how women are viewed who make a lot of money is by making a lot of money unapologetically by behaving as if we were a man in that space. I'm not saying threading, I'm not saying in like a toxic masculine way, but would a man introduce his um, 
interior architecture company as like a little little business no <laughs> he would like normally introduce like hi we're on this we've got four locations and yeah things are going really well and why as women we're like oh just have this little i just do this little thing just one side oh yeah why do we do that why do we do that i know i still stumble i still stumble because when i get introduced at an event like that i'm like um Okay, so I do consulting work and business coaching and money mindset work. I've written books, I host a podcast, and I have a whole design company that works. So I was like, I need to condense that down. My husband helped me do this recently. I say I'm a consultant, designer, and author, and that's just easier. That's my man. That's my masculine energy. Like when I shake someone's hand, hi, yes, I'm a consultant, a coach, and author, and I run a design company. We don't need to call it little. We don't need to call it a hobby right mindset work uh brianna i think some of that comes back to sex work and men historically expecting successful women to look a certain way exactly there is so much to uncover here and i think this is the thing this is the thing and this is why i created abundant as fuck which is a six-part course that starts on thursday this is why i wrote my books this is why i have the sexy selfish elite membership because it is so much deeper than we realize on the surface there is like it's like an onion shrek reference Uh uh-huh we're pulling back the layers to really get to the bullet that's deeply lodged inside of us, to heal that bullet hole, to fully heal it and move forward. And it's grown over and the scar tissue is stronger than ever. We have to get to the root of it. And it, it's so complicated. And there's so many different facets of it. My husband and I were watching a documentary on climate change last night. Um, and it was really like, you know, there are all these issues and they're like, it's all climate change. And I'm like, once again, media producers for a documentary. Climate change is a factor in all those issues. It's not the only factor. There's like, it's so complex. It's so multifaceted. It's so much deeper than we're talking about. And this is the thing I want to go deep with women. I want to go deep with women because there's so much to uncover here. And once we do the work and once we start to heal, and yes, I wrote a whole book on daily things that you can do to build your confidence around money and wealth. It's called Hello Abundance. You can get it on Amazon. That was the daily tips. Because I get asked in every interview I do, what can we do to improve our money mindset? And I'm like, okay. So yeah, you can check your money every single day to nurture your relationship with money, to stop being a fuck boy to money who expects it to be there when it's there and then you ignore it and avoid your bills when it's not. You actually want to pay attention to your money every day and build just a grateful, nurturing, supporting relationship that's really neutral. And you do that by paying attention to it every day. When you check your coffee in the morning, there's little things like that. You can do affirmations. You can learn about angel numbers and signs for the universe. You can raise your wealth frequency. And I talk about all this in the book. You can budget like a badass. Because yes, even though budgets are not the bullet hole fixer, they are a part of all of this. We do it in abundance. Fuck, we have a whole week on it where I teach you how to budget in a way that's aligned to you and your family because this is the thing. No two budgets should ever look the same. No two budgets should ever look the same because what is important for my family and what I value will be completely different to what's important for you because I'm guaranteeing most of you do not have a section in your budget for adult time activities um toys and experiences <laughs> i'm gathering that's not a part of everyone else's budget but that is a part of mine so i know that i can still invest and i can still grow and i still pay for my kids education and i still put money away for bills and i can still pay my mortgage and i can still buy as many toys as i want from yoni Pe pleasure palace whenever i like um and it's all part of my budget but no one else's budget is going to look like that 
I mean, unless you're a horny bitch like I am, but this is the thing. So we teach the budgets look different, but the budgeting is a part of it. It's not the only conversation to have. It's not the thing that's going to fix everything. Just like, you know, they're talking about electric cars aren't going to be the thing that fixes everything. Because do we think batteries turn up at a cabbage patch? Do we think the electricity just is magically there? Like it's a so, and this is a thing. We talk about climate change as if it's just one simple fix. You know, don't use plastic straws, switch to an electric car. And it's like, that's not the solution. It may be a part of the solution for some people, but it is such a more complex issue. It's deep and it's layered and it's complex. And stop, let's stop trying to simplify it down to a headline for a news article. It's not that simple. And this is the thing with money mindset. Yes, I wrote a book on things you can do every single day, little tips to build your confidence with money. But the re there's a reason that book came out second because Goodbye Money Guilt was the book that came out first that was about looking at your subconscious relationship with money healing and transforming the way you relate to money the energy that you put out into the world because here's the thing we're all just big radio towers on a scientific level if you zoom in close enough on anything on a microscope you see movement everything is constant movement there is no such thing as still and there is no such thing as completely solid if you do the science and like not if you do the science enough but it's just basic known science Put anything under a microscope, it's moving, it's vibrating. Everything is energy. Everything is energy. You know when someone puts up a Facebook post and it can be something really fucking vague and, like, not specific whatsoever and you just know that person is struggling today. You just know. Or a friend replies to your text, there's no inflection, there's no tone, there's no emojis. It is the same as probably four other texts you could scroll up and see, but you know, you know something's up. I need to shut my door because that's my husband. You know. That's energy. That's energy. You know, before a storm comes and you feel the shift in the weather, that's energy. You know, when you hug someone and it feels amazing, energy you know when you hug someone and it feels shit and you just know they don't want you to touch you you know something's up they're pissed at you they haven't said anything their face isn't there but you've got like this little alien antenna that's picking up all this intuition stuff that's energy and what we put out into the universe is either an energy of knowing we are worthy we are abundant we are supported that we can manifest anything we desire we are enough we are supported with this incredible being and we are doing the best we can. Or there's this energy of like desperation and neediness and clinginess and anger and frustration. And why isn't it fair? And I'm not enough and he's not enough and she's not enough and everything is fucked, right? We can feel that energy. You're basically a gigantic radio tower putting out a frequency into the world. And that frequency is either really positive or it's not it's not bad either way it's just different and if you want to shift that frequency yes you can shift your energy by listening to amazing music by meditating by having an orgasm by getting outside drinking some water so those are things that can instantly shift your energy but the deeper frequency that's radiating out radiating out that has nothing to do with your mood Nothing to do with the words that are coming out of your mouth, but your deeper frequency, that subconscious blueprint of whether you feel safe with money or whether you feel threatened by money, 
that's stuff that we need the inner work on. Lydia Damon cannot feel anything around him yet. <laughs> so that comes from like your introspection in your body. So I have autistic kids as well. They actually like within their brain don't feel some of those internal things like temperature, knowing they need to go to the toilet, like some of the, the introspection they don't feel. However, if that, you know, disability and neurodivergence isn't a factor in that, it can come from the fact of not being able to tap in and identify those feelings around him because in the past you've been told to lock down those feelings. Boys don't cry, toughen up and get the fuck on with it. Take some Panadol and move on. You're imagining it. You're almost been like gaslit from the environment and social norms that we grow in, grow up in to not trust that frequency, to not trust the energy coming in and out of your body that you can feel, <laughs> especially as women. Get on with it. Get a job. Your cycle's nothing. Just take Panadol. Get on the pill. Ignore it. It's a problem. We're going to just band-aid over it. We're not going to tap into it. Anything you feel that you can't explain is bullshit. And once you start to realize, number one, that women's bodies are very different to men's, number two, that we are getting a lot more internal triggers and guidance than we realize. And this is one of the big things with abundant as fuck opening um, on Thursday. Well, it's open now, starting on Thursday for the course. You won't find in any of my marketing like, this is your last chance, just do it, even though you feel fucking terrified, even though you're going into debt for it, even though, because all that does from a coaching perspective and a marketing perspective is like, once again, tell people to distrust fear, to just, as our kids, we want them to grow up learning, you know, if something doesn't feel right, don't do it. And yet as adults, we're constantly ignoring our internal triggers in our body. We're constantly ignoring that feedback. So what you will find in my messaging is like, put your hand on your heart, take a few deep breaths, really step into this. Is this what you want to do? Is this what your body is saying yes to? Is your body saying yes? And you're having a little bit of like questions and hesitations in your head. That's the case. Reach out to me. We'll have a chat. But it comes from in here. Like, you know, you know what is the right choice for you. You know the next step. You know what you want to do. You know where you want to go. You know deep inside of you, you are ready to be a wealthy woman. You're ready to feel financially supported. And it's not always about creating billions of dollars. This is the thing, like, I don't, I don't think some of us understand what a billion dollars is. Like, that's like a ridiculous amount of private jets. Like having a cleaner is a couple of grand a year. You don't need a billion dollars to have a cleaner. Even if it was, oh, I need a million, I'm gonna be a millionaire. It's like, Okay, but you've just told me all you, your goal is to just go to a, two trips to Victoria next year. You don't need to be a millionaire to do that. You can actually do that right now. Let's tweak your budget a little bit. So the thing is like our dreams and our goals are actually a lot closer than we realize. And for a lot of us, having a seven figure business, having a billion dollar business is not the goal, nor should that be the goal. But feeling safe and wealthy and supported and growing as a wealthy woman is the goal to make enough money where we can impact and do the work that we are passionate about and that we are led to do and help the people and that we want to help the people that we want to help and also put food on our table have health insurance for our kids have life insurance for ourselves pay ourselves super to be able to do both of those things that is what we want to find and that's what we want to cultivate that balance of knowing what pricing your products need to be that supports your lifestyle best as a person, a wife, a friend, a mother. It's not about just like 
how much money can I make so I can drive the best, drive the best car so I can use it on an Instagram story so I can convince people to give me more money. Like that's not the cycle I'm talking about. That's not the projection of rich and wealthy and overflow that we are working towards. We are looking for true abundance, true abundance. The way it feels when you can book your kids into basketball clinic the way it feels when you can buy your daughter her first Fenty lip gloss, the way it feels when you can book a last minute weekend away, when your family really needs some time together, the way it feels knowing that your life insurance is completely sorted. I cannot even tell you the sense of relief I felt when our financial advisor got all of our life insurance sorted out because I know with 100% certainty my family is taken care of. That is abundance. That is abundance knowing that I'm secure, that I'm safe, that my family is taken care of. Everyone's freaking out this week about my new handbag. Let's talk about that. I wasn't going to talk about that. I got a new Prada bag. It was my treat to myself when I booked my first high-level retainer, retainer contract with a corporate client who I've since fired because they were a fucking nightmare. But at the time, I ordered this Prada bag to celebrate because um, it was my biggest contract today. And I got it and I just, you know, it was part of, it just showed up in a few of my Instagram stories and stuff and people messaged me like, freaking out about it. I've got Marco Jacobs bags. I've got Gucci bags. I've got Louis Vuitton bags. Like it's just, it's just a thing. That's just, I don't know. For me, it was so normal. I wasn't freaking out about it, but I was so excited to be able to, we went to the basketball the other day. We won free tickets and I'm online booking tickets for more games. That felt truly abundant to me. It wasn't a handbag. Buying basketball tickets to take my basketball obsessed 10 year old back to see his favorite team play for a few more games coming up. And then also putting myself down on the wait list for a family membership for next season. That felt abundant. Having my life insurance feels abundant. Having hospital cover feels abundant. I, like buying HelloFresh, buying meal preps feels abundant. It's not about this massive million dollar things. Yes, the women who work with me often end up making tons of money and growing their business in massive ways. But we're focused on abundance on every level, not just the money that hits your bank account. Because abundance is all those little moments that add up to massive shift and change. You know, the first time you go into the shops and you, your toddler wants raspberries. And the broke bitch version of you two years ago before you did abundant as fuck would have never bought raspberries because I'm not paying $7 for raspberries, you fucking crazy kid. The new version of you, the truly wealthy woman who feels safe and trusting and supportive with money and certain about her future, she buys the $7 raspberries because they're delicious and her toddler loves them. And it's worth every fucking cent. And in all those decisions where we come from a place of abundance instead of broke bitch scarcity mindset, that's where we really win. Oh my God, I've been talking for so long. Can you hear? I'm starting to um, lose my voice. This is why I cap my coaching clients in case you're wondering. It's not for any other reason. I could, I could like emotionally coach people every day, but there are limited spots to one-on-one -on -one coaching with me because I know I can do three of these calls a day and then I'm done. <laughs> I literally can't talk anymore. Like my prices are high because they include soothers and strepsils for me so I can keep talking. So before I jump off, does anyone have any questions about what we've spoken about today, about As Abundant As Fuck, which is my six-week program that starts on Thursday, or just about anything else you would like to ask me? And then I will let you get back to your 
lives and your kids and your days and this re replay will be a lot alive available until thursday midnight actually i like friday midnight better i'll change my mind we're gonna leave it up until friday midnight um so if you're posting any questions let me know otherwise i want to talk a little bit about abundant as fuck um for those of you who hand on heart have listened to this and resonated and feel called for more cold to the next step cold to like you feel like you've cracked the lid on the ice cream and you can see it all in there and you're like i want some of that like this is not going to be fun i know this is going to be hard it's not going to be hard i know this is going to require a level of honesty and require a level of depth that may make me uncomfortable but i've cracked the lid Right? You know when you open the door and it's like, oh, I don't know if I wanted to open that door because life felt easier not knowing that there was this whole other stuff to work on. Life almost feels like ignorance. If they say ignorance is bliss. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes ignorance is bliss. <laughs> so you are consciously, if you join Abundance Fight, you're consciously making a choice to be radically honest with yourself and to go deeper than ever before and not live in ignorance anymore to choose differently and that's why it's like you have to feel it in here that you're ready there's no timeline there's no calendar there's no countdown i'm not going to tell you you're an idiot making excuses and bullshitting and self-sabotaging yourself if you don't join because you have to feel it here that you have to be ready uh, brianna do you mostly work with coaching service providers or your coach for product-based business owners too so i have <laughs> I have therapists, lawyers, skincare brands, um, mechanics. I work with product base, service base. In terms of business coaching, everyone. In terms of money mindset coaching, everyone. So I have in my professional, like personal business industry work, I have worked as an um, service provider in person, service provider online, product base online, product base in person, and then purely like a what do you call it? Service-based, like freelance style. So I've done lots of different work. I understand lots of different industries. I have clients in lots of them, like from hairdressers to online baby wear, clothing, e-commerce stuff. It depends on your level of e-commerce too. I have clients that I work with at a certain level. And then once they are at a certain level and they're looking at scaling with specific consultancy work around specific e-commerce industries, there are a few people I recommend at that point, but it just depends where you're at. I do work with lots of different people. Anyway, thank you, Brianna, for your question. Hope that answers it. Um, Abundant as fuck. So Abundant as fuck started in 2018 as money, money for mummy, it was called. First round ever, I think, was August 2018. This is after my big shift, after my crying in the car, boobs leaking, eyes leaking moment. And I'd done six months of work and I was like, I need to, people need to know about this. I just literally wanted to hop on my roof and scream it. To any mum that could hear, it doesn't have to be this way. And so I put together this program, it was six weeks, and it changed lives. The results, I think in the first round, we had like six of us, there was 17,000 extra dollars manifested in the six weeks, unexpectedly, from the work done in this program. Like that, some of these women had businesses, some of these women worked. And collectively, we called in an extra $17,000 that was unexpected. Sorry, not including me, but the women in the program. The testimonials blew my mind. And then I, I ran it like as an evergreen because back then I had two kids. And then in 2019, I found out I was pregnant. I didn't have the time. 
and it got really hard for me to actually because like today's call i'm like it's an hour <laughs> no it's two hours and abundant as fuck is pretty much an hour and a half each week for six weeks so i didn't have the capacity to run these programs live so there's been certain times in my life where i have been able to run it live and it's been incredible it's my favorite thing ever to run i'm so passionate about it you would you, anyone who's on the call who's done it you would know you're in the call the six weeks it's profound change it's big it's big we do a lot of emotional work we do a lot of deep subconscious work we do a lot of strategy and planning so it's kind of like when you go in for this you go in for this it's six weeks it's an hour and a half each week plus bonus works and homework and it is really like bring coffee bring an energy drink we sit down we do the training together and then like go over bath go for a walk go meditate go have sex whatever you need and reground into yourself because it's big right this is the big bag big bad mac daddy if you don't want big bad go grab the books <laughs> Read the books in your own time. Very chill. Still emotionally profound. But abundant as fuck is rapid transformation, intense transformation, doing it together as a group. The thing that I love about abundant as fuck too is it's lifetime access. So when you join abundant as fuck, anytime it runs, because it's actually available like all the time, anyone can jump in and get it anytime. I only run it live twice a year because that's six weeks of me carving out that in my calendar and giving all my energy to this program so i normally run it twice a year and this round starts on thursday six weeks together we go through everything from subconscious money blueprints universal laws and how to actually like manifest and get that energy radiating out which basically magnetizes money to you we actually go over budgets investing income assets liabilities how wealthy people actually manage their money how wealthy people think and behave and interact with money creating your own rich bitch future setting goals discovering different ways to earn money discovering like talking about pricing and energetics of pricing and alignment and your wealth frequency we do a lot we do a lot just it's a nutshell but abundant as fuck is big it is big, it is profound, it is life-changing, and it is for the women who are really, truly ready to break this cycle. This is their crying in the car moment, where they are never going back to the pattern that was before. This is it. This is like you get to the point where you're traveling down the same road and you keep doing this loop. Same loop, again and again. If you look back over your life, I'm sure you can see the loop. And this is the point where we go, no, and we indicate and we take a different path. And if I like, like when I went back and spoke to these women, the women I worked with the longest said, what was the most profound moment for you? And they're like, this, there's literally the moment before I did this. And then there's the moment I decided to do this. And it's like the life, like a two halves of an orange just splits in half like that. You've got the person you were before this and the person you were after this, because once you understand how this all works, once you do this work, once you see the world in this different way where you understand it's it's all play, it's all fun. You get to have whatever you want. Like, and I'm not, I'm not saying this because like, I need to say this to get you to buy the course because that's my only income. Like I've got other businesses and investments and my husband has a business. Like I literally run this course because I love it. The investment price is what it is to make sure that once you pay for it, you fucking turn up and do the work because there is nothing I hate more as a coach than someone like, buys a program and does two weeks out of the six. I'm like, no, it has to be expensive enough. It has to be at the right price point for you to show up, for it to be a stretch for you, right? But the reality is I don't need to convince you to get it. You know, 
I don't need a certain amount to join to run the program for it to be profitable. I'm showing up and doing this where there's one person, 24 people. There's only about 12 people in, so it's all good. But um, I'm like, oh, what the fuck was I saying? What's the time? Do I, I need, yeah, I'm due for my second dose of Ritalin. Can you tell? <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Mm, before and after, the decision, the choice. We've literally hit six hours of riddle and my brain's not working. Yeah. <laughs> the part in this fuck is amazing. If anyone has any questions about it, the page is in this caption. It's on my website. You can find all the information there, testimonials from people who have done the product, the course before. We've had it work for them. You can find out all about the price points. There is payment plans available. You can see all the information about how it runs, what you will learn, what you get out of it, all the bonuses that are included. And then you, hand on heart, take a deep breath and you know. This is the thing though, if you feel a little bit nervous and you feel a little a little bit of fear, make like, but hand on your heart, deep, feel fear, feel a little bit of nervousness, is this the right choice for me? But deep inside, there is hope, and there is trust, and there is this little nudge from your soul that says, you need to do this, this is right, this is the next step. You trust that bit and the rest will come. But if you have any questions, please reach out. I love to chat to people on Instagram DMs. I'm good at answering my sexy selfish page. I'm terrible at answering my design page DMs. So if you want any design work done in future, please send me an email. And yeah, we begin on Thursday. I hope you guys have got something out of the webinar today. Like I said, I leave these and I completely black out and don't remember anything I said. But I'm excited for the women who are going to watch this and the replay over the week. I'm excited to see what shifts they have and little moments of like, oh my God. Yeah, that's why I'm doing that. Well, that's potentially why I'm, oh, I'd like to dive into more of that. Oh yeah, I can see what my parents like me up. If you're feeling a little bit triggered about the parenting stuff, please know we do do a lot of work on um, like healing because a lot of anger and resentment can come up on forgiveness work, on understanding a parent is always just doing the best that they can at the time. No one intentionally wakes up as a parent, as a mother, as a father in the morning goes, yeah, yeah, beautiful day. Time to fuck my kids up for the rest of their life. No one does that, right? Everyone is just doing the best they can. And what we do by acknowledging and looking at this work, like what is the messaging from our own parents and environment between the ages of one and seven, we can acknowledge and we can choose differently for our kids. And we are the ones in charge now of the whole next generation, how they perceive debt how they perceive education, how they perceive themselves and their self-worth, how they perceive money and whether they feel supported and aligned and that money's a tool and a resource to an amazing future or whether money's this toxic thing that will keep them ball and chained for their whole life. We are in charge of that. We get to help guide them with that. And I think by doing this work, not only is it for us, but it is for our kids. It is for our kids. It is for the next generation. And that is why I will never shut up about money mindset work because I'm so determined for the next generation to feel differently about this moving forward. Anyway, I've taken up two hours of your time, but I hope it has brought you value. I hope you feel incredible. Go and have an amazing day. It's so sunny here in the Barossa Valley. So I'm going to go and get outside and wait for my voice to come back properly. And yeah, if you have any questions about abundant as fuck, coaching, working, where to get the books, anything, please send me a DM and this replay will be available till Friday. So if you have anyone else that you think might need to watch it, 
my benefit from seeing it please if it feels aligned please share i'm gonna make this public on my facebook page as well and yeah i hope you all have an amazing week and hopefully i'll be seeing some of you in abundant as fuck or working with me in coaching really soon Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mums Manifesting Wealth podcast series by Shona Gates and Team Sexy Selfish. Please leave a like, comment, review and share and don't forget to subscribe. The more you share, the more people we can impact and the more awesome free content I can create for you all. If you're wondering where to go next or have some feedback for this episode, you can hit me up on Instagram at sexy underscore selfish or visit our website www.sexyselfish.com. We've got heaps of freebies there for you guys to check out as well. Thank you so much for listening. Have an amazing day.